I, I have a uh, confession to make. Is my mic on? It seems quiet. Lily, got me? Hello? I'm going to go with it. Good? Not a great start. Yeah? Okay, there we go. Here we go. Okay, so here's my confession. Most mornings, uh, not that yet, most mornings, <laughs> dang it, cat's out of the bag. Most mornings, far more than I care to admit, uh, after I drop my kids off at school, I turn the radio on to Y107 because around 8.15 on many weekday mornings, my favorite radio show comes on and it's called Hook Up or Hang Up. Now, if you don't know what that is, you might be confused. Uh, let me give you the premise. The general premise is this. A guy and a girl go on a date. Generally speaking, one thinks that the date is really good, one thinks the date not so good, or at the very least, there's a lack of communication for some reason, and so one person calls the radio station or writes, I don't know how it works, and says, hey, uh, I, I think I went on this great date, but this person isn't calling me back, they're ghosting me, what's up? Let's call them, right? So the radio station calls, and what the person that they're calling doesn't know is that the other person's online, eventually the cat gets out of the bag, right? And it's either a really good thing or often a really bad thing. The reason I'm telling you this is because I, I heard one of these episodes the other day that, that honestly was just so, so shocking for me. Uh, I, I nearly <laughs> turned off the road because, so here's the thing. This guy calls the station and he says, hey guys, I went on this incredible date uh, with this woman. We went out to dinner, uh, had great conversation, great chemistry, on and on and on. And, and I thought it was really going somewhere. I mean, we had, it was just a fantastic time, and we go home, and I haven't heard from her. It's been a few weeks, and I'm just so confused. And they say, okay, let's, let's call this woman. I don't remember her name. And so they call her, and they say, hey, uh, you know, would you be cool coming on, on the radio with us? And she says, what for? And they say, well, it's a dating segment. And she's like, that's weird, but whatever, so I'll do it. And so they say, okay, um, I don't remember the guy's name. We'll call him Bob. So, so tell us about your date with Bob. And she's like, Bob? And they're like, yeah, Bob. And, and so she's like, I can't stay. I hate that. Just starts railing the guy. Terrible. The date was awful. He's a sleazebag. You know, couldn't have gone worse. I hate men. I met him online. I'll never do that again. I mean, she's just railing this dude. Bob's on the phone, right? He's listening. They're like, whoa, I'm so confused because we talked to Bob, and Bob seems to think that the date was incredible. Like, what happened? She goes, I'll tell you what happened. I was sitting at the table at the restaurant that Bob wanted to meet at, and he didn't notice that I noticed that when he walked into the restaurant, I saw him pull his wedding ring off and slip it in his back pocket. She said he was cheating on his wife. He sat down at the table and didn't say anything about it, looked me in the eye, had a whole date, didn't tell me, because who would, that he was cheating on his wife. The radio hosts are like, you got to be kidding me, Bob sucks, right? The, the whole conversation switches. Bob jumps in. They're like, Bob, what are you going to say to that? Bob starts to talk, and the woman just goes at him, just starts, he doesn't even let him talk. You're the worst, I hate blah, blah, blah. He starts to talk again, and then the radio hosts jump in. You're the worst, blah, blah, blah. And poor Bob's just sitting there. Not poor Bob, right? He's doing a bad thing. Finally, everyone takes a deep breath, and Bob speaks. He says, you know what, guys, I'm, you're so very right. I'm, I'm bad. I did a terrible thing. I made such a mistake. He goes, here's the deal. I was married for 15 years and my wife died. This is the first date that I've been on since she died. I forgot that I had the ring on because I often keep it on because I don't know how to process it, but I didn't want to. I realized I had it on and I didn't want to sit and talk about my dead wife on my first date with this girl that, I, as it turns out, I really liked. Silence, right? Right? 
Silence. Nobody's talking. No, the radio hosts aren't talking. Bob's not talking anymore. Girl's not talking anymore. It's like literal silence. Just me and my car driving along. <laughs> and finally the woman goes, oh my gosh, I'm the worst person in the world. Right? Bob jumps in. Radio hosts jump in. She's like, I'm so sorry. I'm such an idiot. Blah, blah, blah. She's going on and on and on. And, and eventually the radio hosts jump in. They're like, hey, no, Jason, like, nobody could have known that Bob's wife had died, right? Nobody could have, you couldn't have possibly, you just thought what you saw. There's no, like, how could you have possibly known that that was what was going on? Now, that's a shocking story, and it's kind of fun. I just want to share it. But here's the point of why I share it, is that quote, you just thought what you saw. You just thought what you saw. We're starting our, our dating series tonight, Dating Relationships, Swipe Right, we're calling it. And, and as I've been thinking about this series over the last several weeks, when I heard this quote, when I heard that woman say to the other woman, you know, you just thought what you saw, I realized that that relates so much to what I think that we're going to spend the next several weeks talking about. Because I think a lot, I think a lot of what we think about dating and relationships comes from what we see in our culture. We think what we see. Now, what do we see? That's the question, right? What do we see? Particular, we see all sorts of things. What do we see, though, in college? Well, here's one summary. It comes from the Dale, Yale, Yale Daily News. First base is hooking up. This is the dating scene in college, apparently. First base is hooking up. Second base is talking. Third base is going on a date. And fourth base is dating. Now, I have no idea if that's your experience, if you would say, yeah, that's true. But, but here's what I want to say. If that's even close to true. If that's even close to true, then what it means is that it's easier in college to hook up than it is to go on a date. And if that's what we see in our culture at large, then, then over time, we can't help but start to think, well, that's what we must do. And then we, that's what we do. That's what we do. See, it's no wonder, I want to say this, no wonder that we're confused, right? Dating in a hookup culture, it's hard. I mean, just the idea of dating. Some of you tonight, you're here for the first time because you heard we're doing a dating series. You, you can't help yourself. You're so excited because the, the, when we talk about dating, it's an exciting thing. The prospects are exciting. The, the possibilities are exciting. We just want to talk about dating one, maybe too much, right? We're, we're excited. But others of us, when we hear dating, we're stressed because we want to date, but we don't know how. Some of us are anxious because we, we think we know how to date, but we don't know who to date. Some of us right now are, are sad. When we, when we start thinking about dating and talking about relationships and love and these kinds of things, we're sad because we can, we can relate to that idea of being ghosted. Like we've been there. We've, we've felt rejected. We've, we've felt cast off. We've felt forgotten. Some of us are here tonight and, and we're lonely because it seems like everybody else around us is dating and we're the only ones that aren't. Maybe, you're, maybe dating is, is kind of embarrassing for you. You've, you've tried it. You, you put yourself out there. You finally got the courage to, to tell the guy or girl what you thought of him or her, and it was a big no. It's hard. See, I, I'm saying all that because I, I, I get it. I, I, I've been there. I've, I've had those thought, I, uh, thoughts. I've, I've felt those feelings. I've, I've, you know, I've made lots of dating mistakes. I've had lots of failures. I've been ghosted. I've been embarrassed. And call, I get it. In fact, I'll share one 
somewhat embarrassing story related to being ghosted. So um, when I was back in college, uh, so I, some of you, I've said this before, I was in a fraternity, living in a fraternity house, and uh, there was a sorority next to us, and there was a girl in that sorority that I was super into, right? But, but she was a friend for way too long, and, uh, you know, the kind of friend that's like, okay, we're friends, and then we're kind of text buddies and talk buddies and then talk and text all day buddies. And then, like, I clearly like this girl, right? I'm, I'm into her. And, and I was the kind of guy in high or college that, like, I never asked a girl out until I was, like, 99.999 repeating percent sure that she was going to say yes. So I asked all of her friends. Well, I started with one, and then I went to another, then I went to another, then I finally got like 10 friends saying, look, I don't, we can't guarantee it, but we think that she's probably going to say yes if you ask her out. So I did. She said yes, boom, locked down, right? Okay, so we go on a date and uh, had a great date, fine, went out to dinner, I don't even remember where we went, couldn't have been that great, but it was. Uh, and, and, you know, it was around Valentine's Day, and, and so, you know, what do you talk about? You know, it's kind of that weird pressure, right? Like, um, it's close to Valentine's Day, but you haven't really been dating long, and so, like, what do you do? Do you get her a present? Do you talk about it? Do you act like it's not a thing? She's like, oh, I hate Valentine's Day, right? Like, hate, I'm like, yeah, right, no girl hates Valentine's Day. So I'm listening, I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. She's like, I love candy, though. I love Valentine's candy, conversation hearts, chocolate-covered strawberries, oh, delish, right? And so I'm thinking, okay, this girl is telling me that she hates Valentine's, but what she really wants is me to come up with the most epic Valentine's Day date ever. Mission accepted. So, date ends, I go home, and I start thinking, what can I do? This girl was a golden girl, and I had a buddy who was friends with Truman. So, I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get Truman to go up to this girl at a Mizzou basketball game on the court and hand her a bag. I wasn't going to go over the top. I was just going to hand her a bag of conversation hearts. So that's what I did. I got Truman. I met Truman at the game. I, I, I got him to walk across the court to give her the, the, the conversation hearts, the little Valentine. Thought it would be cute and wave. Then I'd go home because at home I'd gotten some, a gift put together. I don't even remember what I got her, but I got her roommate to put something in her room. So she's going to get home. She's going to find part two, and it's going to be amazing. I'm sitting at home, pretty excited. Game's over. Here we go. Minutes go by, nothing. Hours go by, nothing. Next day, still haven't heard from her. Now I'm like, okay, friends, where are you? What's, what's she doing? And just, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? Like, I did all that, right? Like, I did the stuff that she wanted me to do. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I kid you not, like a week goes by. And she's like, I finally got in touch with her. She's like, Kyle, I told you that I hated Valentine's Day. So what do you mean you told me you hated Valentine's Day? Everyone says that, but that's not what they really mean, right? She's like, no, I hate it. I don't know what happened. I don't know if the pet died or some, some tragic thing happened in her life. But, but needless to say, it didn't work out, right? She had ghosted me for a week after I planned the epic Valentine's Day. It didn't work out. It's all good. God's plan married a beautiful woman, Noel, and the rest is history. But I say that, I'm just saying that and sharing that because I, 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 I want to say that I get I get the complicated feelings when it comes to dating. I get how we think and how we feel. I, I know that it's complicated. I know that we love it and we hate it. I know we want it and we don't. I know that it's incredibly exciting and scary at the same time and it's confusing. I've been there. But I also think that part of what makes dating in our culture confusing is that culture is our guide. Part of what makes us confused, part of what makes dating for us complicated is that, that we're allowing ourselves to be conformed more and more to, to the modern standards and, and, and expectations for dating, but in a culture that is increasingly terrible at forming relationships of any significance. Our culture is terrible. 
at forming relationships that last. You see the irony with that? We think what we see, and what we end up thinking is it leads us to what we do, but, but what we see is, is a culture that doesn't really know how to do the thing that we're following them. It doesn't make sense. Now, of course, the problem is that we want love, right? That's not, that's not the problem at all. Everyone wants Everyone wants to be loved. Of course we do. God created us. God has made us with that desire. It's a great desire to want to to be loved, to love, to be known, to know. Like these are God-given things. But I think what happens is that when it comes to to dating relationships, when it comes to love, is that we, we often turn to what our culture says instead of what God says. And when we turn to what our culture says... Instead of what God says, then we end up following wrong examples. We end up following bad ideas about what dating and love and relationships should be like. So so, so what I want to talk about tonight is is just a few of those things. We're not going to talk about everything there is to talk about dating. Certainly won't do that even over the next several weeks. But but I expect that you've got questions. I hope you ask them. We're going to provide an opportunity for you to kind of interact with us on Instagram the next several weeks. Eventually we're going to do a panel up here. You can ask anything and everything you want about dating and love and relationships. I'm not trying to cover everything tonight. Just a few of the wrong ideas. Alex will talk about a few of... Uh, a few more next week. We're going to call them dating myths. Dating myths. And more importantly, I want to talk about what God has to say about these myths. What does God have to say about these things? I'm taking, uh, just to give a shout out, I'm taking some of what I'm about to say from Jonathan Pakluda, JP, maybe you know him. Uh, He's a pastor at Harris Creek Church, used to pastor at Watermark in Dallas, also The Porch. Wrote a great book, Uh, I've read it, called Outdated. I don't know if you noticed or if you've read it, if you've seen it. Uh, If you're interested in reading a book on dating, I have like 10 copies in the back. If you'll read it, I'll give it to you for free. Just come find me after the meeting. Uh, It it would be a great resource. Certainly has more to say than what I do tonight. But, But just wanted to just give that book a shout out. So let's do this. Dating myth one. Okay, dating myth one, you have a soulmate. If you pulled your phone out right now and and opened Instagram and searched soulmate on Instagram, you would find over 9 million posts on that subject. 9 million posts. If you went to YouTube and searched soulmate, what you're going to find is, is anything from podcasts to music videos to TED Talks to, to quizzes that give you your, your soulmate's initials. Now, I did it, and, and I don't know quite what to do with this, but my soulmate's initials are not the same as my wife's. I don't, I don't yeah, I don't know. It is what it is. Uh, we're still processing. <laughs> still processing. Right? But, but if you want more than initials, then you want to go to TikTok. Went there, right? Because on TikTok, what you get, you get video after video after video after video of tips and tricks on how to manifest your soulmate, right? You want to do that? Go watch those videos. It's wild. Don't do it. I spent way too long doing it. A little tamer, though, is Google, right? Google, Google Analytics. According to Google Analytics in 2021, the word soulmate searched more than at any point in history globally. 2021, search more than ever in the history of the world globally. Now, if the point isn't clear, depending on the poll you look at and depending on your faith in statistics, in the United States, anywhere from 50 to 73% of Americans claim to believe in some part or all of the concept of having a soulmate. 
See, to be honest, I almost skipped this because I was like, gosh, does this really connect? But, but clearly it does because clearly this idea that we have a soulmate, that in a sea of 8 billion people worldwide, there is alive and well the thought that there is one person out there for me. There is a perfect fit. There is someone that will complete me. That idea is very much alive and well in our culture. Now, the problem is it's a myth. It's wrong. It, literally, it's a myth. It comes from a myth. Here's a depiction of that myth. See, this term soulmate, it comes from an ancient story in Plato's Symposium. And it's about how humans originally had four arms and four legs and two faces. But what happened is that the mythical god Zeus cuts the human in half, leaving us as we are today. Two arms, two legs, one face but only half of a soul. And since each, after that point, was only half of a whole, what was said to be true is that they were incomplete apart from the other half, their soulmate. So when we talk about soulmates, what we're really doing is borrowing from ancient Greek mythology. Our, our culture says that we've got a soulmate, we've got a perfect match, a perfect person, someone who's perfectly compatible out there waiting for us. All we have to do is find them. That's the hard work. The hard work is finding the person, but once you do, it's wedded bliss the rest of your life. Now, unfortunately, the Bible says no such thing. There's no such thing as perfect compatibility. Why? This is what Paul says in, in Romans 3, 23. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single human being has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we've been marred, Paul says, all of us. Not a single one of us is spared. We've been marred by the effects of sin. That's another way of saying that, that we're broken to an extent. Not, not as God intended us to be. And our culture says that the fix to being broken is that we have a soulmate. We have another half. We have someone who will complete us. But the Bible says that the problem to the, the fix to the problem that we have is not another person, it's God. The fix to the, the problem that you and I have because of the effects of sin in our life and in the life around us, it's not some other person. It's not a soulmate. It's God himself. But when it comes to dating and relationships, when we start to think about soulmates, when we buy into that myth, when we buy into the lie that that perfect person is out there waiting for us, what it does is it doesn't bring us happiness. It actually creates a lot of problems. If you're holding out for your soulmate, eventually, if it hasn't already, it's going to create lots of problems in your life. Problems like this. It, it, it keeps us single longer than we want. What, what, what on earth do I mean by that? Well, think about this. If we're looking for something that doesn't exist, then what that means is that we're often going to overlook great options right in front of us. We miss really great dating opportunities because we're too busy looking for a spark or too busy looking for an instant connection or too busy looking for some other sign that tells us that this is my person, this is the one, this is who will complete me. And when it doesn't happen, what happens? We, we move on. We, we, we move on. We, well, this isn't the person. I didn't get the spark. I didn't get the connection. I don't have the tinglys, whatever it is, right? This can't be the one. And so we go somewhere else. And what happens is we end up being single longer than we'd prefer because we're chasing a unicorn that doesn't exist. So sometimes this notion of a soulmate, it, it keeps us out of a relationship for too long. But other times, on the flip side, it keeps us in relationships for longer than it should. 
Because when we convince ourselves that, that the person that we're dating, the person that we're in a relationship with is, is our soulmate, what happens is it becomes really easy to overlook red flags and problems. If, if the person you're dating is your soulmate, what, what happens is that we start to make excuses saying that, that this thing and, and that thing and, and that thing, well, it's not really that big of a deal because breaking up is really hard when, when the person that you're with, that's your person, right? Even if you know that it's unhealthy. See, some of us here tonight, we're, we're, we're overlooking really great options because we're looking for the one. Some of us in here tonight are in a really unhealthy relationship because we think with, we're the, with the one, but we're not. And of course, the other problem that this idea, this one often brings, is it brings unrealistic expectations. We turn into consumers of people that when we assume that there's a perfect match out there, what, what happens when, when, when we meet someone or when we're in a relationship with someone or we go on a date with someone who has an imperfection or a flaw? I don't even just mean physically. I just mean in general, right? If I've got a perfect match, then any imperfection, any flaw, anything that I don't like, well, that's a reason to bail. It's a reason to get out. See, this idea that there's one person out there for you it's false. It's a myth. There's, there's no one person out there. In reality, there are all sorts of people out there for you. Lots of people in here for you. doesn't mean it have to, has to work. just mean it could work. But when we get caught up in this idea that there's only one, we, we, end up, we end up wasting our time. We end up wasting our time looking for the wrong things. Which brings me to the second myth. And the second myth is this. Physical, physical attraction is the most important thing. Second myth about dating is that, that physical attraction is the most important thing. Now, I know that you're already thinking it, so I'm going to say it. Don't hear what I'm not saying. You should be attracted to the person you're dating. Good thing. But should it be the only thing? Should it be the primary thing even? Hot take? No. No. And I think the Bible agrees with me. Let's read a verse. Charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting. Beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, obviously, in context, this passage is talking about a woman, but the principle is true for both men and women. Beauty's fleeting. The Bible says we know that, right? Like, you're not going to look like you look right now forever. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing to you, but that's reality. Bodies change and grow. What's hot and what's not, it changes. It literally changes all the time. It varies culture to culture, time over time, history repeat, all the time. Beauty changes. Ancient Greeks, get this, ancient Greeks were super into physical fitness. They were also into unibrows. In Paris, the French in the 16th century, you know what was hot? The ideal woman was pale, didn't see the sun, certainly didn't tan, and she had a double chin. Right? Things change. I could go on and on. I don't think anybody needs me to do that. You get the point. I'm not trying to be like, you know, you get the point. Beauty is unbelievably good. I love my wife. My wife is gorgeous to me. But she, that's, the, that's not even close to the most important thing to me about my wife. It's not even close. Beauty is a good, good thing, but it's not ultimate. And when we make beauty ultimate, what we're really doing is we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. We're setting ourselves up for failure. 
You're setting yourself up to be let down. When, when beauty becomes the thing that you're primarily attracted to, you're setting yourself up for disappointment because that beauty is going to change. If beauty is what you're, if you're using your body to attract someone else, what you're doing is conceding that when my body changes, this person won't be attracted to me anymore. And so what we do is we, we're just constantly chasing whatever culture tells us is beautiful. It just leaves us disappointed and exhausted. See, the Bible gives us a better way. The Bible gives us a better way. It says that, that looks may fade over time, but you know what doesn't fade? It actually grows. Godliness. And so here's a question. What if instead of looking for a 10 physically, we started looking for a 10 with respect to character? What if that was what was primary for us? I'm not saying don't look for someone who you're attracted to physically, but what if most important was his or her character? And what does that mean? Well, it means girls, here's some things to look for in a guy. Honesty. Can, can you trust him? Is he honest with his words or is he deceptive? Kind. Is he kind? I mean, guys, that's not usually something that, that is said about us as men, right? But, but women, look for a guy who's kind. Selflessness. Is he selfless? Is he sacrificial with his time? Does he, does he spend his time on himself or does he spend his time thinking and, and helping others? Is he generous with his resources, generous with his time? Patient. Is he patient or is he impatient? Does he kind of want what he wants when he wants it? Is he okay waiting? Patience is hard. Courage. Is he willing to stand up for the right thing even when it comes at a cost? That's hard in our culture. Women, find a guy who's courageous, willing to stand up for what's right, even if it comes at a cost to him personally. Gentle, another one for guys. That's hard, right? But women, look for a guy that's gentle with you, that's caring, that's considerate, that takes, goes out of his way to be gentle, thoughtful, hardworking, not lazy, and of course, someone who loves Jesus, right? The guy who loves Jesus with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, with all of his strength. And because he does, he loves other people, including you. And here's the thing. As he loves Jesus more, all of these things will become increasingly true. This is the most important thing because everything flows from it. And guys, look for these kinds of things in a woman. Is she trustworthy? Can you depend on her? Does her word mean something? Peacemaker. Is she, is she divisive? Does she like to gossip? Does she create, you know, a, a division? Or does she strive for peace? Does she like to argue and bicker? Responsible. Is she responsible, dependable, hardworking, respectful? You know, one of the things that, that you know, guys, it's true. I don't know if it's a trope or if it's true. I think it's true for me, at least. Guys want to be respected. Does she respect you? Does she respect other people? Does she listen well? Is she thoughtful? Content? That's a hard one for all of us, but, but is she content? Or is she, she constantly comparing, constantly discontent, constantly unhappy because of this and that and that and that? Wise? she give good, good wisdom? Does she listen well? Is she thoughtful with respect to listening? Does she have good wisdom to share? Is she compassionate? Does she care about other people? And of course, the same thing. Does she love Jesus? 
Does she love Jesus with all of her heart, soul? Does she love Jesus more than, here's what she should want, both of you, all of us. We should want the person that we're dating, the person we're in a relationship with, to want Jesus more than they want us. That's the most important thing. You should want the person you're dating, according to the Bible at least, to want Jesus more than they want you. That's hard. Because we'd like to be about ourselves, but Jesus says, no, make it about me. Make it about me. See, now, let me just say this too. These lists can be like, I don't know if they're helpful or if they're overwhelming, but here's what I want to say. Nobody does any of this perfectly, right? You're not looking for a perfect person. You're just looking for the person that is striving for these things to be increasingly true. Someone who's striving to love Jesus, and because they're loving Jesus, all of those things are increasingly true in their lives. Because when, when those kinds of things are evident, that, that kind of character, not only does it grow, but it lasts. That's far more valuable. Hear me say this, far more valuable than physical attraction, than looks could ever be. And I'm just going to say this because here's, here's what I think happens a lot on, on these kinds of points. What happens is that is, is there are some of us here tonight who are starting to think, you know what, okay, I've, I want that. Like, you didn't have to convince me that that's what I should be looking for. I want that. I've been wanting that. I've been praying for that. God, I've been trusting that, that you would bring that kind of person in my life. And, and where is he? Where is she? God, I'm starting to doubt that you actually care about me. I'm starting to doubt that you actually want what's best for me. I'm starting to doubt that your plan is good. Maybe that's where you're at right now, and you're exhausted because that's tiring. And here's what happens when we get exhausted because that's tiring. What happens is we lower the standards and we settle. And that's my fear is that we're going to lower our standards and settle. It's not worth it. I promise you, it is not worth it to settle. It is not worth it to settle for a relationship if those things aren't evident. It's not worth it. See, in my experience as a pastor, I talk to people all the time, all the time, young, old, everyone in between, all the time who are wrecked by the consequences that settling has brought in their life. Wrecked. It's not worth it, I promise you. I, I, I would be happy to talk more about that. Any of our staff would probably as well. Come talk to me. I, I promise you, settling is not worth it. Look for character. Seek character. Seek someone who loves Jesus more than they love you. All right, let's move to the third myth. Third myth is this. Love is a feeling. Kesha says it's a drug. Beyonce's drunk in love, right? But, of course, they're not the only ones. They're not the only ones because this is the approach that many of us have when it comes to love. What love is. What love does. It's this feeling that we chase, right? This feeling that we have that, that, that falling in love is intoxicating. It gets us high. Now, maybe that's an exaggeration. Let's just go with warm fuzzies, right? It, it gives us the tinglies. It gives us the fuzzies. Now, of course, should a relationship have? I am not going to stand up here and say, that shouldn't happen. No, of course it should happen. Right? Of course you should feel those things. Those are good things. But here's the deal. If you're just chasing a feeling, in the same way if you're just chasing physical looks, you're going to end up disappointed because feelings don't last. They change. That's what makes feelings feelings, right? They describe the moment. 
They describe how we feel in the moment. And so contrary to cultural belief, the Bible says that love isn't just something that we feel. Of course, it's a feeling, but it's far more than that. It's, it's also what we do. Love is what we do. It's a verb. One of the things that I get to do as a pastor, I get to do wet, I get to you know perform marriage ceremonies for people, and I and I love it. And, and inevitably, what happens is is someone will say, "Hey, can we read First Corinthians thirteen? It's the love chapter, right? If you haven't read it, you've at least heard it in a wedding. This is what it says: First Corinthians four thirteen, picking up in verse four. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love, that kind of love, never fails. Now notice, notice what that passage doesn't describe. It doesn't describe a feeling. It doesn't describe a feeling at all. It, it describes something that we do, something, actions that we take, things that are done, not just feelings that we feel. Culture tells us to follow our heart, which is just synonymous with chase your feelings, right? The Bible, Jeremiah 17, verse 9, says the heart is deceitful. Culture says chase your heart, chase your feelings. The Bible says that, that your heart's deceitful above all things. It needs a cure. It's beyond cure. It's sick. Who can understand it? Right? Feelings are real. I'm not saying that they're not real. The Bible's not saying that they're not real. It's just that sometimes feelings aren't reliable. At times our feelings, they fail. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that that kind of love, the kind of love that's not just a feeling, it never fails. It never fails. That's the kind of love that Jesus is calling us to. All right, I need to be done. So music team, you guys go ahead and come back. Let me say this. Let me say this. Some of us are wondering, why can't Jesus call us to that kind of love? Why is that the standard? Why does Jesus call us to that kind of love, a kind of love that does? Well, of course, Jesus calls us to the kind of love that does because that's what's been done for us. We can't not say that, right? That's the kind of love that has been done for us. That's the kind of love that Jesus did when he went to the cross. It's the kind of love that he did when he sacrificed his life for us. Now, here's the thing. You, we didn't deserve that. What did you do to deserve Jesus going to the cross for you? I didn't. You didn't. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. There's nothing that we did. Jesus did it. Jesus chose us because he loved us. Sinful, broken people. That's who we are. That's who we are. And that's who we should see. Because that's who we see. That's what we should think. And that's what we should do. Love others. Dating relationship or not, we should love others. The way that God has loved us. That's what Jesus is calling all of us to. Loving others. Because he loved us first. 